1: Hey, friend Steve here. Yeah, Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw, the only pro wrestling podcast. We'll see if we get podcast length today, though, Larson. We've yeah. got a short Matt Chat for you. That's right. It's Matt Chat, of course, is where we pull questions from our patrons over there on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson at the $20 mark. You can have your video question right here on Matt Chat as well. Let's just dive right into it, Larson. Yes. It's the draft, so we've got some questions about draft. But before that, Gatlin T has a question about uh, a new name to the WWE.
0: This is the 5-5 finalist's newest puppet, Gatlin T. And I've never been more like profanity than when Cain Velasquez, I think that's how you say his name, walked out on SmackDown Live after Brock Lesnar won the world title. I don't get it. We have at least 15 guys just on the SmackDown roster who are worthy of a world title run. And they're gonna bring in this guy to feud with Brock Lesnar because he beat him like ten years ago in the UFC ring. Great. Um, why? That's my interest. Why? I get that they want to make it more sports centric, but doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, thank you, guys. Do sweet and Hardy Andrew.
1: Thank you, Gatlin T. Thank you, Gatlin T. I will go first. I will uh, hold off on explaining. I'll let you explain the actual reason why WWE is doing this uh but the the larger issue that they seem to not be able to address is the fact that Kane Velasquez is there because WWE has no idea how to create not just new superstars but a proper like power ranked hierarchy mm. back in the let's just take the attitude era for example and you could even look at this with new japan when the champion dispatches with a challenger a new challenger emerges in new japan somebody just comes out and challenges the the champion you know oh you're done with your match okay i'm gonna come out there and it's like whoa did you see that uh you know uh uh sonata comes out and challenges okada Mm -hmm. or uh during okada's like title run the really good one that got us on board um, who's the guy that the Shibata Shibata comes out Oh, Shibata. No, Shibata won
2: uh, the new Japan cup. So he earned himself. Okay. Shot. Yeah, exactly.
1: So you had all these challengers that were sort of lined up for various reasons, whether mm-hmm, they wanted a mm-hmm, challenge or not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Ooh, who's going to be next in WWE. The booking is such that the, 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 the nature of Vince McMahon's whims dictate who's going to get pushed week to week. We saw Cedric Alexander get a, a really strong push for about three weeks. Yeah, and then pff, nothing. Back in the twenty four seven hunt. Yeah, right.
2: Or off TV. Or off worst. TV.
1: Or breaking up brawls with Eric Young.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So he's out of the picture for now. Mm-hmm. And then they might want to. They might want to do that again with him. And then he'll be right back out of the picture. So they do that with everybody. So nobody really feels like the heir apparent. Nobody seems like, or not, they are apparent. The next in line. Yeah. Nobody seems like they're going to be the next person that logically is a challenger, or that people are going to get excited about uh, with them challenging. Uh, I mean, that's one fantastic way they could be using NXT call ups. Like, for example, when they debuted Alistair Black, the way they did it was via a slideshow presentation, and then he tagged with a guy who he had never tagged with before in NXT, Ricochet. Instead, what they could have done was have some heel win the Universal Championship and then in dramatic fashion, after that match, Alistair Black's music hits. Oh, my God, he's going to challenge now. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. They don't treat their stars like they could potentially be superstars. They don't do that anymore. And so you've got this mishmash of, oh, well, I don't know how long this guy's going to be uh, pushed. Uh, it's a bunch of 50-50 booking, mm-hmm. and they don't do that anymore. Mm-mm. So that's why they have to bring in these big names because it's the only thing that might generate a buzz.
2: They're, they're, they're in a lot of capacity. So uh, Bankrupt creatively, they have to rely on stories told uh, nine years ago in a completely different company to build any sort of interest in anything they're doing. And even that, like, I feel like the the, the impact, Kane showing up, I don't know if it was to the degree they probably had hoped like I don't know how much mainstream coverage it got. I didn't feel like it was on the definitely was on the level of like Ronda Rousey. Not even close. Not, not even, even close. No, not even close. Um, here's WWE thinks there's money to be had in this feud, and, and it that's was, what, it was overshadowed
1: by the Kofi thing. Yes, but no. What you just said. Go ahead.
2: They're doing this because money. They think there's money being money. Yeah. told. To, there's, mon, there's money in telling the story. There, there's money uh, bringing Kane in because they think it'll get mainstream attention, uh, at least from the sporting world, and. Uh, if this match is happening at crown jewel there's definitely money involved in putting forth uh, in wb's eyes a stacked card for that show because they're making a huge ton of money off it uh my issue isn't so much this feud is happening i think if this feud uh happens without a title involved cool Mm -hmm. because then you're not holding up wb title in something that uh, is is not going to trickle down anyway to the rest of the roster yeah and you're not depriving anybody who's there on a full-time basis an opportunity of getting a title shot. Mm-hmm. If, if Kane had come and interrupted or came out, I said this, I think, on the recap. If the beginning of that Kofi-Brock match had happened, as it did, Kofi charges towards Brock. Brock drops him with an F5 immediately. The crowd thinks, shoot, mm-hmm. Kofi's going to lose now. Mm-hmm. As soon as Kofi hits the mat, cue Ray Mysterio's music. Yeah, And Brock's like, all right, Ray's coming out, not a huge deal kind of looks over and noah says no that's not that's ray that's not walter with them mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kane velasquez yeah. oh hell yeah and then either you can go one or two different ways you can have brock run out there and go after kane have kane come down and go after brock or have brock just distracted kofi kicks him with trouble in paradise hell kofi pins brock uh, even a distracted brock lesnar mm-hmm. how massive is that for kofi kingston i know massive i know and
1: you're, you're building your future they've never the, it's it's and granted look you cannot deny that better or worse it's worked for wwe uh i
2: mean they're they're making just they're mountains making, of money they're making a series of short-term decisions that have lead to uh, immediate profits
1: yeah but they there's gonna be the thing a, is they've always done that it from the from like the attitude era on yeah it's been short pop after short pop I after know. short pop and that's and they've been able somehow to 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 become well, even there more was, profitable, there doing was, that
2: there was a period in following the Attitude Era where they developed a lot of huge stars: John Cena, Batista, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. You can even put Kurt Angle in there. Um, Edge. They developed a lot of massive stars.
1: Yeah, but along the way, also for a lot of those manias. I mean, I know, like, okay, there Engel, was, I know Lesner. there was Hogan.
2: There was there was still some holdovers from the Attitude Era. Stone Cold, The Rock, would still show up on occasion but by the mid aughts it was pretty much all the the guys they had developed themselves yeah yeah this, this, i mean the sad
1: fact is though the lesson the biggest lesson they learned from the mid aughts was WrestleMania 23 and they see, you know it's just hey let's bring in these celebrities to pop mania and we'll just go from short term to short term to short term and that's the way they've operated um you know that's why you have Goldberg still hanging around for his big payday uh and it's 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 frustrating but uh, that's just where it is. That's just
2: the way it, it works. Now that's just the way That's just where it is.
1: And there's there's still enough good stuff in WWE, you know, on the on the the micro level to appreciate their product. Uh, it's just a shame that on the macro level, uh, big picture,
2: uh, it's just short pop. The short strongest, pop. the strongest, and most consistent story WWE's told over the last two years is that Baron Corbin is susceptible to roll up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much it. Yep. Uh, next got a question from Christopher Rampersod
1: hello Stephen Morrison so my question is after Hell in a Cell you know this is two years in a row I end up in disqualification I feel like how they're burying the Hell in a Cell gimmick what do you guys think this is And I don't want them to bury Hell in a Cell Hell in a Cell is for something special and I feel like they're destroying it
0: and I hate it and it just turned me off on pay-per-view, the match I understand story point beat by beat but don't ruin Hell in a Cell. It's Hell in
2: a Cell. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, I mean, Hell in a Cell really hasn't been the same since they have they created the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Yeah. Hell in a Cell should be a special event that is only utilized when a storyline or a feud demands it. Is there anything
1: else that they have that they only wheel out every couple of years that you can look at as sort of... Because Hell in a Cell, honestly, man, Hell in a Cell should be once every five years. I mean, it, it should, should be, be it, it should, should be, be a
2: special thing that on, they only use when the feud is so intense yeah. that the only appropriate blow off is Hell in a Cell, like
1: end of an era match that should have been that wasn't yes. Hell in a
2: Cell It should have been in Hell in a Cell. A recent memory: uh, Sasha and Charlotte in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, that should totally have, appropriate yeah. for that match. Even
1: Roman Braun mm-hmm. could have been Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably did. I know they did it last year, but um, Taker uh, Brock. The second one. Sure, yeah. Hell in a Cell worthy.
2: Totally, totally appropriate or worthy to be Hell in a Cell.
1: And the thing is, if those matches, you know, and maybe a couple others, like Usos versus New Day, that was really good in Hell in a Cell.
2: Yeah, but I mean, anytime you have a really heated feud and the blow-off has to happen and it has to be some crazy, insane thing, put in Hell in a Cell.
1: Yeah. Um, If those were matches that happened, you know, by themselves, not within the context of being part of a pay-per-view, and they were so few and far between... Uh, then they'd be so much more impactful.
2: Yeah, they really would be. Now they just feel like, okay, October rolls around. It's Hell in a Cell time. Let's work backwards and try to justify feuds that maybe in the end will will, will seem worthy of being in Hell in a Cell.
1: When, what year was Uso's New Day just last year,
2: a year ago? It was
1: either 2018 or 2017. Um, let's see here. it was. Uh, when was this? I was just trying
2: 2017, oh, was 2017. Two years ago.
1: Okay, so let's see the other ones in that
2: was Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon, which was 39 minutes long.
1: Oh my God, we sat there for 39 minutes. Um, so it was that one. And but like, it was uh, see uh, that that itself, the Usos' New Day that was so clever and so creative that should have main evented a
2: pay per view
1: as a tag team match because they, they needed.
2: And it was a hell of a feud too. Oh, it was a great. But show. like Shane Undertaker at Mania. The only reason they made that hell in the cell is because one spot. To make yeah. have the spectacle of Shane jumping off it. Yeah, That was it. Yeah. Um, the story should justify it. Exactly. Everything should be motivated by a story, not, okay, well, it's time. October or September is rolling around. Hell mm-hmm. in the cell time. Let's try to, in the next two months, come up with feuds that we can eventually lead to hell in the cell. Yeah. yeah. Which far too often is, is seemingly what happens. And then so we get in instances short. where the blow-off doesn't seem... Justified to be in hell in the cell, or they have some sort of weird finish, or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. It's just,
1: in short, they've ruined her. Oh, cell. So.
2: by doing it too often. Yeah, they damn yeah. yeah. Long it story short, it, there's no there, there's nothing special about it. Not really. Yeah. No. Except when people go in there and do something creative, like the Usos and New Day, mm-hmm. like Sasha and Becky uh, this past year. But they, even that didn't need to be. No, it, you didn't, know what I it, mean? Didn't, it didn't need to be in there, but at least they took the opportunity to have that match and tried to be yeah. creative with it. No,
1: them. look, wrestlers, wrestlers can do Wrestlers can do interesting things in Hell in a Cell, but that doesn't mean it, everything it needs it to, to be in Hell in a yeah. Cell.
2: Like for example, if, this, if the October pay-per-view wasn't Hell in a Cell, there was no Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And they were like, okay, we have six months of Becky and Sasha planned out between September and, I don't know, let's say Rumble. I know it's not six months, it's four months. Um, here are the steps we're going to take. Imagine, you want to make uh, Rumble feel like a larger attraction? Let's have a Hell in Cell match in the yeah. middle of that card yeah. or the main event, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Becky versus Sasha and build the feud to the degree that there's no other way for this feud to and other than inside Hell in mm-hmm. Cell. That's how it should be. Yeah. Same with like Elimination Chamber, all these gimmick matches. The only one that works as a scheduled thing every year, roughly the same time as Money in the Bank. Mm -hmm. That's really the only WWE gimmick situation that I can think of. That and the Rumble. That and the Rumble. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Those are the only two kind of gimmick matches that uh, should be consistently on the calendar roughly the same time every year. Otherwise, just as needed. Next, got a question from Rich. Hey, friendos. Rich the Smash Bro here.
1: Watching some old school W Steve W on the telly. But I wanted to know real quick who you guys think the top five draft picks are going to be for each show in this week's upcoming draft. Tag teams count as one. Factions count as one. So from all brands, no brands excluded, who are going to be the top five people drawn to Raw and SmackDown? Let me know, friendos. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich. So yesterday, of course, hopefully all of you saw our WWE mock draft 2019. Thank yes. you again, Jesse gas and Bruce and Burl, Bruce, Burl Bruce for uh, hosting the yeah, event
2: again and hosting that was much appreciated. And
1: I am very much looking forward to creaming you week to week show to show and, uh, and, and sitting there watching you watch me eat my mountain, mics, mountain Size Pikes peak
2: pizza. Well, we'll see if that comes which to pass is the prize on the line, but we're going to take a different tact here. Um, the mock draft is who we wanted in our respective brands. So for this, for to answer Rich, Rich's question. Well, the mock draft, the one that we did, sorry. It's mean, based on the point system. It's based we'll, on a very specific point system. Yes. Um, however, we're going to take approach a different approach with this. We're going to say, okay, we're going to put ourselves in the shoes of the running team network, network executives behind Raw and SmackDown. You'll draft for Raw. Mm-hmm. I'll draft for SmackDown. Yeah. And draft as if we're drafting squad for the television. Yeah. So Steve, with that in mind, uh, who do you got first? Seth Rollins. Yeah, uh, I mean Brock Lesnar. He's kind of the WWE champion. Kind of needs champion. to stay on yeah. SmackDown.
1: Next up uh, to keep Seth happy uh, and to keep Becky Lynch happy,
2: Becky Lynch, and to make Raw a reasonably marketable show. <laughs> yeah, just try to make Raw not feel like the C show. Yeah, uh, and then I, I would take Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, after that, I would take uh, uh, I would take after that Braun Strowman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Flair. The new day. Good pick, Uh, Daniel
1: Bryan, and finally AJ Styles with the OC. Mm -hmm.
2: I was had a hard time with the fifth name, the name I put on here, and it's a stretch. Stretch, but he does. We always hear that they want SmackDown to feel more like a sports show. So I went my in my mind wrestlers who have some sort of MMA background, mm-hmm. uh, and I came upon Shinsuke Nakamura. He's sure. the Intercontinental yeah. Champion. Yeah. Um, so essentially, everybody I drafted is already on SmackDown.
1: Yeah. Well, no, that'd be the, that'd be the
2: smart way to go. And you know, we've been hearing that uh, there aren't going to be wholesale changes taking place coming up here at this draft. So we'll see if that actually comes to pass. All so first night will have happened by the time this 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 goes up. Yeah, so.
1: the idea that full sale changes aren't going to happen, I think that's completely up in the air. I really, I think that they, I, I think that they don't know. Apparently, Fox and USA are apparently actively involved in this entire thing. That's crazy. Which is, I mean, it, it makes it makes. Oh a yeah, lot I mean, sense, you're, you're
2: forking over a ton of money to broadcast these shows. You want to make mm-hmm. sure that your shows are as marketable as possible. Yep. Uh, next, a question from Jacksonville's... Number one. Gion Halili.
0: What's up, friendos? This is Jacksonville's number one Matt Chatter, Gian Halili. Back with another Matt Chat
2: question. This week, what I want to know. Strike while the iron is hot. Uh, obviously, that failed to happen at uh, Hell in a Cell, the main event with The Fiend. So my question, what are other moments of WWE specifically... Not striking while the iron is hot. Um, give a few examples. Um, yeah. Sorry, it just it bummed me out. Kind of ticked me off that that's how Hell in a Cell ended. Seriously? All right. Too sweet, hearty handshake. You guys are amazing. Later. Thank you, Guillaume. Thank you. Um, ECW relaunch, man. Coming off the heels of, of One Night Stand 2005, 2006. If they had done anything even close to the spirit of the original... I understand finding a broadcast home for that might have been yeah, difficult in the days pre-WB always Network. a non-starter, man. But if that's the case, if you can't do it to that same degree, then don't, don't do just it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. How
1: cool would it have been if, and this, I don't even know if this would have been possible. When did they buy? They did, they did one night. How cool would it have been if they were able to do the kind of thing they did with Nitro but with ECW? Like you have, you put on an ECW pay per view or hardcore TV or whatever, but at that point, I don't even know if they had a TV deal anywhere. You put on something, and at the end of the show, and nobody knows that WWE's bought them, Vince or Shane comes out, or somebody comes out, and they announce in front of an actual ECW Mm -hmm. crowd not expecting it that WWE has purchased ECW. Yeah, I know. Would that have been a riot? It might have been might a riot. It might have been something else. It might have been a riot. But, you know,
2: even if they don't do weekly TV for ECWs, what if they just done monthly pay per views.
1: Yeah, but WWE didn't. I mean, yeah, if they kept up,
2: if they kept up the one night stands, but they were so incapable of of yeah. understanding how to do that. I know, probably. Uh, the other one, the other thing here is a Nexus.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, that was hot. They buried the crap out of that.
2: Hot. I'm gonna say this:
1: uh, when uh, Chris Jericho won the title from Triple H. And then like Triple H uh, bullied his way into reversing it. They should have seen at that point that Jericho was hot, and they could have run with him for like legitimately as world champion. Because by the time they had him win the world championship, and they gave him you know the cowardly heel thing, which never were. I don't know why they anybody would ever do a cowardly I don't know. Heel thing. I don't know uh, he, he was people like they didn't respond to it at all yeah. as a heel. Well, and
2: he was just purposely a transitional champion get that belt on Triple H. Right, anyways. exactly.
1: Yeah, um, but if they had if they had run with him in like '99, whenever that happened, mm-hmm. uh, I think they could have really had something special there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, more recently than that, I mean, look, WWE they have made a habit of not striking when the iron's hot. Uh, Braun, fresh off the Roman Reigns feud if they had put the Universal title on him or whichever the big title was um, during that particular time on Raw, uh, if they had used that to launch Braun as a legitimate main eventer, mm-hmm. maybe we wouldn't be in the situation we're in where he's just sort of a celebrity guy. And again, uh, you know, I was reading this interview with uh, Conrad Conrad Thompson, mm-hmm. um, where they asked, you know, what has been your biggest takeaway from doing these podcasts? And one of the things he said was, there's so much that we as fans don't understand He said, for example, when they were talking about Ken Shamrock on The Pritchard Show, Pritchard was saying, (coughs) yeah, I know a lot of people like Shamrock, and they wonder why he didn't get a bigger push. Well, he would be late to shows. He wasn't reliable.
2: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And people don't see that stuff. Yeah,
1: I am of the belief that they have not pulled the trigger on Braun Strowman as Universal Champion or as WWE Champion because there's something backstage that we simply are not privy to, we are not aware of entirely possible attitude stuff. Well, we had heard that, that that there'd been some, we had heard that, Uh, locker room stuff. I don't know what, I don't know what, but something tells me that, um, he's got everything except for whatever it is you need backstage for them to be able to rely on you. And that's why they can rely on him as celebrity guy, because it's a one-off thing every six months or whatever. Um, that's my own personal speculation. I have nothing to back that up, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, so, but I'm going to say that if, you know, if, if, if they had wanted to make Braun a, a proper main eventer and they saw the ingredients backstage, mm-hmm. then they should have done it then. I thought he was, he was hot, hot, hot. He was hot action, man. So those are my answers.
0: Interesting.
2: All right, here we go. Uh, next, got a question from Stephen M. What's going on, guys? Uh, my match chat question this week is: What are the top five power top five things you, uh, you your opinion has changed on in wrestling? Say like uh, the undisputed era's music, or like um, Aleister Black as a name, stuff like that. So each your top five things that at first you're like, oh, I don't like that, or no, no, no. Or just in general, just like wasn't a fan of it. And then it just came around and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Too sweet. Hearty handshake. Thank you, Stephen M.
1: Thank you, Stephen M. Go ahead. So, like, I was resistant to AJ Styles because I didn't really know anything about AJ Styles beyond that he was in TNA. Um, and then, like, he came in and I was, like, instantly a fan. And I went back and watched this New Japan stuff and I was like, oh, man, what was I thinking about that? Uh, so there was that. Um,. God, there's other there's something else. i dude. I am notoriously I am notorious at flip flopping.
2: Came around on him when he debuted. you yeah. don't like
1: him. No, I just didn't like his body type. I thought he looked cheesy. Yeah, no, I've I've come around a lot of people. I've I've flip flopped many times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what about you? What you got?
2: Um, probably uh, first and foremost is this guy right here, Finn Balor. When he showed up in NXT, I was like, what's the deal? He's just like a normal dude, I mean he's a ripped real. jack dude. Yeah. And like the demon stuff I wasn't into at the time, yeah. still not. Yeah. But I thought there wasn't a whole lot behind it. it. was just a bunch of showy stuff for no real purpose. Um, and then once I got familiar with his work in New Japan, mm-hmm. my eyes were opened. Mm-hmm. I started to appreciate his work more on the main roster, especially after he came back from uh, getting his shoulder fixed after he won the universal title. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really good wrestler. There's a wealth of, of possibilities you can do with him Character-wise, the WB has not capitalized on yet. Um, and he just seems like an all-around cool dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next, Baron Corbin. Baron? Could not stand him in NXT. Baron. Thought he was super green as a wrestler. I thought from a character standpoint, he was, it was pretty thin. He was a terrible <laughs> trash talker. He great. And that guy has put in the work to improve. Um, seemingly on a day-by-day basis. And now I can find him consistently entertaining. His matches are fun to watch. He knows what he does well, focuses on that, Mm -hmm. Uh, does a pretty good job of hiding his weaknesses, save for being rolled up. Mm -hmm. I know it's a kayfabe weakness nonetheless. Kayfabe-wise, he needs to work on that. Um, And while uh, his involvement doesn't yield ratings gold, um, he's consistently enjoyable to watch. And in about five to ten years, he's going to be universally beloved.
1: Uh, I think it's going to be less time than that rtg text hello, question here. text question hello friendos it is the world's tallest friendo rtg here with my first match hat question that'd be would be impressive if he's taller than Alex C. uh my question is if cm punk were to come back to in-ring action who would he face at mania not triple h because that's obvious and book the outcome of the match thanks friendos
2: thank you uh, i go first right yep um so in my mind if if we can't do Triple H, it's gotta be John Cena then. Give me Punk John Cena one last time. One final match. One, yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be main event of Mania or anything like that, I put that in here, but I don't really mean that. Uh, but you could use their vast history and really focus in on uh, Punk saying, I was denied my Mania opportunity because you and Rock had the thing going on mm-hmm. now. And maybe the idea is like they're pushing for this to be the main event. And Punk's like, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and take someone else's opportunity away from them because I'm it's this thing with John Cena. No. We'll open the show. And Punk goes over or something. I don't know.
1: Here's what I say. So Punk goes on the TV show backstage. And uh, Seth Rollins uh, turns heel... But by basically just doubling down and tripling down on the kind of crap that he does on Twitter anyways, yeah. Uh, and so he's like, you know, calling out fans for just trying to know more about the product. He's uh, talking about his bank account a lot. He's just going overboard with that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, and on backstage, uh, CM Punk as a panelist is sort of calling him out on that kind of stuff, being like, you know what, man? Uh, my fans, they're really terrific people. Sometimes they just want to know a little bit more. And can they be a bit obnoxious? Sure, but you know, it just means they're enthusiastic about the product. So he starts talking about CM, and then Seth Rollins in a promo, he talks about CM Punk calling him out on backstage. That brings out CM Punk, man of the people. And uh, then they have a feud. CM Punk, main events, WrestleMania against Seth Rollins wins a title, and uh, boom, there you collects go, collects fat paycheck, collects massive
2: paycheck. He's good. He goes back to doing horror movies. He's in more horror movies. That movie looks fantastic. It looks interesting, yeah. Uh, Next question, text question from Tiger Mask. Tim Morris, hey, friendos, another horsewoman question for me. With WrestleMania due to have a four-horsewoman face-off, I can't see both titles being on the line two years running, so who will be holding the other woman's belt? Who will they win it off of, and who will they face at WrestleMania?
1: Uh, I go first because Uh you had the best answer here. Oh, thank you. So I'm just going to go with the... Like, not even a good answer. But I'm going to say, look, I think she's put in the work. She's put in the time. I think she seems like a pretty cool person. I'm going to say Carmella somehow wins it off of Becky Lynch. Uh, and then Asuka, in a reversal of their f- feud, because Asuka's doing the projectile vomiting at people thing now, she, as a strong heel, takes it off of the underdog Carmella in a legit fight where Carmella comes out looking like a million bucks, but ultimately loses it to Asuka at WrestleMania. That's not bad. I think it could be fun.
2: Um, sometimes I think a lot of people are, are, based on various reasons. Fox probably wanting Becky, Becky showing up in advertising from materials for SmackDown thinking Becky's going to end up on SmackDown via draft. I don't know if that's going to happen. Cause if raw loses Becky, that's a huge loss. So this is what I'm thinking. Uh, maybe, I don't know, sometime around the rumble Oscar beats Becky for the raw wins title. Mm-hmm. And then of course, after the rumble, they can seriously kickstart this four horsemen fatal four-way thing go to the mania with only one title the smackdown title being on the line mm-hmm. and at mania becky wins that therefore she goes to SmackDown that way so raw gets i don't know six more months of becky lynch use her presence there for a few months to build up the rest of the division and then have uh oscar and then i don't know sasha carry uh the the banner for raw after the uh, after mania um oscar could take on uh Shayna baszler at Mania for the title, and the uh, claim to be the, the greatest women's champion in NXT history. Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: And here's the thing, getting back to what I was saying in the first question, that's good, you have Asuka take on Shayna. What if Shayna wins, and then confronts the winner of the main event, that Horsewoman match, the SmackDown champion, she comes out with a Raw championship, and that's how you close Mania, with title versus title staring each other off, mm-hmm. and then-
2: Raw after Mania, or SmackDown after Mania, you get, a, you get stuff between Becky and Shayna. It's great. Ronda Rousey comes back, too. Bang. Boom. Uh, final text question from Louis Sariza. It's Halloween Havoc 2019. Book a full card with a stipulation that in every match, opponents must switch gimmicks, entrances, and all. Also, can you guys do going in raw math for Jerry Lawler, Dan Severn, and Kurt Angle. I'm pretty sure we've done Kurt Angle before. I would like to see Halloween. I
1: want to see, like, the, the costumed Battle royal. I want to see that, but on WWE pen main roster. There.
2: Do a pen over there. Yes, that would be great. I want to see
1: main roster do that. I just have a bunch
2: of silver pens. Oh, okay. There's one, one on the floor. here. Hold, please. Okay. All right. Let's do some going around math. Let me do the card after that. Okay. Because there's some good matches I have written down here. Uh, so Lawler, being good. Lawler? We're doing three of these? Yeah. All
1: right.
2: So being good. Uh, In ring I think he was like An adequate worker He's like 5 right? Yeah Yeah 5 I mean he can't give him a 4 No no I wouldn't give You know how to wrestle Yeah Oh you thinking higher Like was 6 like 6 Oh wow okay. Promo In his wrestling days oh, He was a good promo He was a, he was like I'd give him like an 8 Yeah And then look He looked like a dude He just looked like
1: a dude But like He had He had natural charisma He did I'd give him like a seven. Six, seven, seven,
2: 6 6 Yeah 6, six. is fine 6 so 20 divided by 3, it's 6+. plus. Mm-hmm. Legacy, if you're talking Memphis, that's high. That's
1: super high. So you got Memphis, but then you have the rest of the world. So they have to even each other out a little bit. I'd say Legacy is probably like a
2: 8. That's fair.
1: Because it's like 10 plus in Memphis. Yeah. And then like everywhere you know, else, it's like 5. 4 or 5, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kfabe Oh god! In Memphis again, it has to be an eight again. Ten plus in Memphis. In Memphis is ten plus. Everywhere else, like not really great, but still decent.
2: Yeah. So six plus. That's uh, twenty-two. Seven plus. That sounds right. Higher than Bret Hart. Uh, Dan Severn. I feel like we've done Dan Severn before. Yeah, but always revisit. I'll talk about anything Dan Severn. Oh, he was great. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, In ring, Uh, I mean, he's he's accomplished. He's accomplished MMA fighter. Five. Oh, you gotta get to higher than five for in rings. This is for
1: MMA, dude. This is for wrestling. And I
2: understand that. All right. Small sample size of WB, but he did wrestle in NWA for a long time. He was like one of the longest reigning modern NWA champions. That's true. Yeah. All right. So the seven. modern era. So six. Seven. Seven. seven? Really? Hell yeah, man. Oh my god. Because he can be knocked down for promo.
1: Man. <laughs> Two. Okay. Fair enough. Two. Two. Mm. Look. He, like he knew how to talk English. Look. I mean, he looked like a dad, but also like a super badass. He looked like the toughest dad. Yeah. Six.
2: Five, five. Five is dead. Five is yeah. Uh Legacy. So like
1: in MMA, it's like 10. Yeah, it's huge. In wrestling, five?
2: Five. Kayfabe, probably five. Maybe less. Because the W wasn't booked for anything, but yeah. it's so nine, 14 divided by three. Wow, that's just four plus. So 15, so five plus. Sounds right. Yeah, Kurt Angle. That sounds right. Angle's going to be up there. Yeah, he's going to be really high. All right. In ring. I mean, he's got to be at least an eight, if an not a eight. nine. Yeah, i give him an eight. Promo. I get an eight. Eight. Look. He's always in great shape. His gear always look great.
1: Let's give him a seven. Seven. Yeah.
2: Legacy. That's got to be at least an eight.
1: Would have been higher. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's a seven. It could have been, it should have been higher but he left too soon.
2: Well he went to TNA. I know. And did well for himself there. K Kirk Angle, Kayfabe. He was always book strong. Uh eight K right? Yeah, eight. So that's twenty three. So that's seven plus. So that's uh twenty two seven plus.
1: That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right, let's let's talk this car that I've started. You Halloween can now. you can chime in. Okay. So I know that you said switch gimmicks, so I thought, let's think of wrestlers as kind of similar gimmicks. Okay. So the main event is Dan the Beast Severin uh-huh. taking on the beast incarnate, Brock Lesnar. Okay. But they switch gimmicks. Oh, okay. So Dan Severin comes out with the, the pyro.
1: Yeah, they're, they have like the same, there's not really a lot of switching going on
2: here. There is, because Brock Lesnar come out with the tights and then the gray sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off. Yeah, I feel like the he towel. could do that now. He All should right, be fine, doing fine, that now, fine. really. Next, uh, the big dog, Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. against the dog-faced gremlin, okay. Rick Steiner. All right, and
1: so Roman, who would Roman Reigns circle around, like Scott Steiner?
2: <laughs> uh, I mean, Dean? The Usos? Yeah, there you go, the Usos, yeah. There we go. Uh, next, Demon Finn Balor taking on the Kiss Demon. Yeah. But, of course, it would be Kiss Demon Balor. I think Finn Balor would look great as a Kiss character. I think so, too. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know that, about the Kiss demon. I don't even know who was a Kiss demon. Was uh, it Brian Adams? No, it was one of the. Was Brines? it somebody we? No, didn't it was know.
2: Dale Torborg. Interesting. Uh, and then I also got in here. CM Punk taking on Headbanger Mosh. Why? Well, I mean, it's Headbanger is a grunge guy against a punk guy.
1: Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, good. I'll,
2: okay, it's like music right. gimmicks. All right, that's good. Do you have a tag team bout you want to add to this? Because I was trying to think of a tag team bout.
1: I don't know. Uh, heavy machinery. Versus, well, okay, heavy machine. I know, rest in peace, Rick Bagnar, but uh, fake diesel and, and, uh, and Razor, because Tucky kind of looks like Rick Rick Bar- Wagner, and I'd like to see Otis as a diesel. Okay. And then you get Kane in a heavy machinery
2: gimmick. Is there any any other vocational gimmick? Kane or- versus Kane Velasquez. All right. <laughs> All right. But a
1: woman's belt. The man Becky Lynch versus
2: I don't know man I don't got nothing. I, I provided four matches. You can chime in with one. Mm. No, all right, fair oh, enough. You're good. All right. <laughs> I would love to see Halloween Havoc come back though. Oh hell yeah, man! That'd be <laughs> great
1: stuff. Yeah, that'd be good stuff. Anyways, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you want to participate in Mad Chat, $20 on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Stephen Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye.
0: The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly.